Among you stands one whom you do not know. So, apparently, Jesus was there listening to John the Baptist, maybe as one of John's disciples. Jesus was probably just another face in the crowd. No reason he would stand out, an anonymous young man from Galilee. But Jesus was there among them. John says to those gathered around him, among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Now, don't you imagine John's words caused quite a stir? People started looking around. Who is it? Which one of us? I bet they started paying attention to one another. They looked at each other with a certain kind of new seriousness. Maybe, maybe even a few thought the possibility, could it be me? I like the notion that God is among us incognito. God is at work among us, even when we don't notice. God is present in and through people that we may not recognize as godly or godlike. And maybe even God works through you. Maybe in such a quiet way that you may not even recognize God's presence in you. Part of what we anticipate in the Advent season is the incarnation, the coming of God with us. The church asserts that Christ is always with us, in us, among us. But that's not something we're always aware of, kind of like the crowd listening to John the Baptist. We are often unaware of Christ's presence with us, in us. Some say, oh, that kind of divine presence, that's for the religious types, not me. Some people think it's monks and nuns, people who have a sense of uh, faith and a certain presence. We call monasteries religious communities, and indeed they are, but monks and nuns who live in monasteries are human beings just like the rest of us. They have their own shadows and doubts. I've experienced that in monasteries. There's a wonderful book by Kathleen Norris, The Cloister Walk. She narrates her observations living as a guest over a long period of time in a Benedictine monastery. One story she tells is of this anguished Benedictine monk who expressed some of his insecurities in a question toward the end of a retreat. He said, we have spoken of the loss of faith in American society, but what of the loss of faith in the monastery itself? And then he courageously and vulnerably express some of his own profound doubts, his own faith struggles in his life. At times, he said, he felt his life in the monastery was almost unbearable. The retreat leader expressed no surprise. His answer to the young monk was practical and thoroughly monastic, 
Of course, he said, we are weak and unable to cope. But if we can maintain faith, hope, and charity, it will radiate somehow. And people who come to us may find in us what we can no longer see in ourselves. There's a scene in George Bernardo's touching novel, Diary of a Country Priest, where the young priest is summoned to care for a parishioner who has always been a thorn in his side. She has been among the most difficult and antagonistic of his parishioners. Now she is dying. The priest has mixed emotions as he approaches his call to her. Still, he goes through the motions. Be at peace, he says routinely. To his surprise, the woman kneels down before him and receives this peace profoundly. Her entire countenance changes before his eyes. The priest is overwhelmed as he watches her receive more peace than he himself had. Oh, miracle, he said. Thus, to be able to give what we ourselves do not possess, the sweet miracle of empty hands. Not too long after the birth of our first grandchild, Kathy and I traveled to meet her in Taiwan. Of course, she was the most beautiful girl in the world. Although my son Gray had taken some time off for our visit, on several evenings he still had to go work as a teacher. Naturally, we'd been asking him about his work, and he enjoying his teaching, and he said, it's good for the most part, but there were days, and there were certain students who could just push his buttons. So one evening, he went to work, a bit conflicted because he had to leave his visit with us, but there was something about the joy and the energy of our time with him that had produced some ebullience in his mood. Four hours later, when we picked him up, he was energetic, bouncing, glad to see us. We asked him, well, how did it go tonight? And he paused, reflecting for a moment before answering. I've noticed, he said, that when I go to class feeling good, I tend to have a good session, and the kids respond, and they enjoy what they're learning. And when I go to class in a dark mood, I don't teach so well, and they always get under my skin and bug me. Among you stands one whom you do not know, Within you stands one whom you do not know. Inside each of us is an audience, a crowd of observers, a classroom of kids, a cluster of personalities. Each internal observer with its own mood, 
his own personality, her own interpretation. There is our cynical self and our hopeful self, our confident self and our insecure self, and so on. An audience within each of us. But always within each of us stands the one whom we often do not know, the very presence of Christ within us. Sometimes we are surprised like the country priest when something unexpected and graceful occurs through us. Oh, miracle! Thus to be able to give what we ourselves do not possess the sweet miracle of empty hands. How much more fruitful might we be if we nurtured an Advent awareness that Jesus is fully within. As he was present as that anonymous Galilean within the crowd listening to John the Baptist. Or try this. Imagine John the Baptist looking upon you this day. Looking from a heavenly place where he can see into the depths of your soul. And John the Baptist says to you, within you stands one whom you do not know. You know that catchword, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus who is inside of you do? Through you, as you. Sometimes a good friend will point out to us our Christ presence, which we may not have even recognized within ourselves. Like John the Baptist, sometimes our friends can recognize in us the potential that may otherwise seem obscure to us. Well, accept that blessing. No false modesty. Somewhere I've heard it said that our friends are those that show us God and our enemies are those who allow us to become more godly. Our enemies offer us the opportunity to practice compassion, forgiveness, and mercy. The compassion, forgiveness, and mercy of Christ who truly dwells within us. We need both our friends and our enemies. Remember what the Trappist retreat leader said? Of course, of course we're weak and unable to cope. But if we can maintain faith, hope, and charity, it will radiate somehow. And people who come to us may find in us what we can no longer find in ourselves. So we come here each week to this holy place to remember, to gather up the fragments of ourselves, to recollect, remember ourselves, and to recall the greatest truth about us that Christ dwells within each of us, with us, through us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, we read in Colossians. When we orient ourselves toward Christ within us, nurturing the good within us, orienting ourselves toward faith, hope, and charity, then 
we tend to do good. And the kids respond, and they enjoy what they're learning. In the name of God, amen.